have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. you a question. Do you have a character in mind that you want to see brought to life? Do you need a custom costume? Do you need simple accessories? Then let me recommend Nick Slatter Emporium. Ooh, I love that name. They have multiple years of design experience and can bring your spookiest designs to life no matter how intricate. How simple or how terrifying. <laughs> Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and get connected to make your spooky dreams a haunting reality. <laughs> Enterprise Studios, we bring you our hosts, Just Jeff and Flynn Hendricks for Tales from the Haunt. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another spooky, spooky, terrifying episode of Tales from the Haunt. And this is going to be one that we have been waiting for since we first thought of this podcast so let's go ahead and tell you right now turn down the lights light a fire get your favorite blanket get that spirit summoning board or whatever you need to get spooky for a little bit and get ready for this awesome episode here and guys before we go any further i do want to take a moment and thank you all for continuing to support not only this podcast but also my other podcast i know you hear me all podcasts we have right now are available on all podcasting platforms and both are on all social media platforms, along with our personal social media as well. So if you haven't already, go subscribe on your preferred platform and leave a five-star and written review. Go check us out on all social media platforms and share the word about these podcasts and get it out there for everybody. There's something for everybody between both of these podcasts and we want to get some ears on it. So anything you guys can do to keep getting that word out, we greatly appreciate it. But before we go any further after that, we're going to take a quick pause for a moment from the Gimme Back My Podcast Network. Welcome to the Monster Movie Stomp Down with me, Stompy, and my brother, Frank. Hi, I'm Frank. Join us, Sludge, Mark, and Ruben, three times a month as we review monster movies from around the world. And don't forget about the monthly contest and Triple I. 
Not only that, Frank, but you will find extra content like the Underdogs, Monster Mash Wednesdays, and the Friday Night Fights each week exclusively on our Facebook and Instagram. So please join us at the Monster Movie Stop Now. Your one-stop chomp for monster movie reviews, news, interview, trivia, laughs, and of course me, stopping and Frank. And we're back. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right into this one here because, um, like I said, this is one that we have been waiting on since day one. This is already a bucket list. We're not even that far into this this series yet, but damn it, it's a bucket list. We wanted to have this guy on here, and you've heard us mention him so many times. Um, as Jeff said, you know, he's like he's like that elusive catch that we didn't think we were going to get, and we did. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and bring on Ott Denny. Ott, my good man, my fellow former wrestler, thank you for being here tonight. Gentlemen, gentlemen, always a pleasure. I am excited to be here. I don't know how excited as far as we get into this, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sell yourself short, my good man. We, Like I said, we've been excited to have you on. And, man, we have got a lot of ground to cover because... um, like I've said multiple times on this podcast, you know, all things in my life tend to lead back to wrestling. And when I first, you know, walked in for my interview at at the haunt that we work at now, I had no idea you were going to be there. Had no idea you were even there until you chimed up. It's like you just blended in. And then all I hear is, cut a promo. And it was all downhill from there. So we got a lot of ground to cover here. Um but let's let's give everybody your rundown for a little bit. I mean, because you've got over two decades worth of experience in the haunt world. You're a former professional wrestler. You're a husband. You're a dad. And you somehow like make all this work and put me to shame and how you do the balancing act on all that. So what's your secret? Years. <laughs> just just putting in the time. Uh, when me and my wife first got married. Uh, before we got married, I had to explain to her when we were dating, I said, look, there's something I've got to tell you. I said, I work as a clown at a haunted house. Oh. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's something you're going to have to understand when haunted house season starts. You probably won't see a lot of me. Um, when we first got married, she actually worked at the haunt with me really? at Slaughterhouse years ago. She actually worked the front door for several years. Okay. But as we got older and more established in our marriage, it got to a point where she's like, I don't have to be here because you're here. So this is your thing. You do your thing. And, you know, the relationship is just... It just works that way, that balance. Absolutely, absolutely. So, man, like, there's a lot to unpack even in just that, but where in the middle of all that does the wrestling come into all that? What's funny is, and here I'm really going to date myself, uh, in 1989, yes. Best year in the world. I was a senior in high school. Uh, A buddy of mine was working at... I'm going to throw out these call letters, the KDF Slaughterhouse. Oh. And he was always trying to get me to come down and work with him in high school. And I was like, no, man, it's not my bag. I was deathly afraid of haunted houses. 
Man, that seems like a common trend here on this show. We got to unpack that too. And it was just, it's crazy. But, you know, he would work the circuit. He would work KDF Slaughterhouse for a while. Then he'd work Westworld. That's even more dated back in the day. And he would call me and say, because we shared an art class. Yeah. We had commercial art back in 89 together. And he's like, oh, I need some help. I've got this project. I need help painting. Come help me paint. Sure. Not a problem. Go down, paint, you know, monsters and demons on windows at this little dive haunted house right there is actually in the back half of the old Madison Square. Oh, this wow. was 92, 93-ish. It was back before Shoney's even got tore down. Wow. But I would never work. I would just come down, help him paint. Well, 96, he called me. It's like, man, we just moved this gigantic building. I've got probably 200 feet of eight-foot walls I need to make cobblestones on. Can you come help me paint? I'm like, sure. Oh, it's a different crowd. And I went down there. and was helping him paint. was hanging out with the guys. And at the time, Terry Hauser is one of the, I guess he's the grandfather of the haunted house industry in Nashville. I mean, just is. It was Terry Hauser and, gosh, I was about to say his name, uh, but there's another guy that was the old timers. Back in the days, there was the very first haunted house in the area was the Haunted Smorgasbord. It was right off Duke West Avenue and Two Mile Parkway. It was the old Heritage House Smorgasbord. Well, they moved out. They rented the space. They climbed up on top and painted Haunted in front of smorgasbord. So it was a haunted smorgasbord. This was like <laughs> 86, 87. Well, Terry Hauser, Terry was a Terry was a father figure for a lot of the young kids in the haunted house industry, like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in my early 20s, you know, wayward, didn't make it to college, was working two jobs, you know, you know, not doing the right things. Uh, and he just kind of latched on to me. He's like, man, he said, you've got all this time. Why don't you come to work? And I was like, eh, it's just not my thing. He's like, man, just come work. I worked every crappy scene in the house. It was dropping a four foot rubber spider out of the ceiling on people on a rope. It was like <laughs> my first week. The second week, like I graduated up to the werewolf scene. We're talking... Flannel shirt with fur, blue jeans with fur, a werewolf mask with a chin strap. And this was latex and fur. Oh, man. In a, you know, good old September in Nashville with a non-air-conditioned warehouse. Oh, Mm. buddy. At least Um, you didn't have the boots with the fur, but I mean, still. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I I would leave my scene, go take a break, go and throw up and drink three bottles of water and go back in my scene. Because I was like, you know, I felt like at the same time, there was a group of them that didn't like the guy who brought me in. But Terry kind of figured out my mindset. Mm-hmm. About the third weekend, he's like, hey, what do you want to do? He said, you've done all the crappy scenes. He said, is there anything you want to do? Well, at the time, there's something called the eight-door maze back in those days uh had a guy it was it was doors that led out and came back it was an octagon it's all painted the same 
and you go out, come out another door, and you just get lost because you don't know which door you came in, which one you went out of. And I told him, I said, I don't want to do eight doors. He's like, uh, you know, this is your first year. I don't think you can really do eight doors. Because at the time, it was Skippy the Clown. And Skippy liked to smoke the, the green stuff. Oh. <laughs> and so basically, he stayed stoned the whole time he was in character. So basically, he was stoned, chasing chicks in the eight-door maze. Well, I said, just put me in there with some Put me in there with him and let's see I can do it. Yeah. I ran him out in one night. He couldn't keep up with me. <laughs> wow. And this was old school ruffle jumpsuit, you know, full blown, mm-hmm. you know, circus dumb look. clown costume from ninety six. Um so I took our raid doors and I did eight doors for years at Slaughterhouse. That's where I started. And the, back to the wrestling part, it all ties in. Yep, I, 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 I actually stories going. I actually had a buddy of mine that worked at the House, Roy Shelton. He does Rocking Wrestling Federation in Gallatin. Yep, that's oh, that's right, that's right. I worked, I trained with him and Cotton Eye Joe in '96, '97. And was doing mud shows in East Tennessee, Cookville, Sparta, uh, Woodbury. Woodbury oh, used to be a man. good draw yeah. yeah. back in those days. And Livingston did all those mud shows back then with him. I couldn't take a bump to save my life back then, but it was, hey, come on, we're going to go as a group. And they threw him in a ring with a bunch of guys that were a lot more talented than I was. But I had a gimmick. Because it was kind of the clown gimmick, and that's where it all yeah. tied in. But, but further on down the road, I got proper training and did some other things. But that's where it started was the tie-in with the haunted house. Man, that is amazing! And just what what was it? Especially like like you said, you weren't big into haunted houses before you got involved, though. But as you just laid out in your story, man, like you ran through all like I guess we'll call them the starter phases, and probably like. I don't want to say grunt work, but maybe the grunt work portions of the job. And you just moved up week after week. And then you took on like the big challenge at the end with the eight doors. How did you adapt so quickly to all that? Like, was there a light bulb moment or what was that like? Especially, you know, like not liking to go in before. How did that kind of just switch all the way around to get you involved like that? My thing was, was kayfabe. The wrestling term. Yes. With He's not me dead. Was, was, I put on this makeup. I'm a completely different person. And the thing that doing that, I didn't have to worry about what people thought. Right. I was just the character. Uh, so that's where my jumping off point was, was separating the two. It was... I can go balls out as this character. Then when I get street clothes, nobody's going to know who I am. It's like right now, it's like I've got the good old Ole Anderson chops. It's like the reversal of Haunted House season. I have the big, you know, four-inch long goatee. Mm-hmm. And it's like kayfabe. It's like we went to the Owensboro convention, and this guy stopped me. I had on our National Nightmare makeup team shirt. He's like, National Nightmare, that's cool. He's like, hold up a minute. So you're the clown at the top of the hill. I'm like, yeah. 
It's like you look completely different. I said, that's the point. It's, you know, it's kayfabe. Yep. You know, working the business. Yes. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Uh, Jeff, before we go any further, any questions from you? Because I see you over here taking it all in. Uh, Anything you want to contribute right now? Uh, No, I'm just sitting over here learning so much that uh, I'm just going to continue taking it in. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So, I mean, you went on to be at, you know, like at Slaughterhouse for such a long time, man. And, like, obviously we all know, and as we've heard from past guests on the show, Haunt Season is a very time-consuming, like, very all-in dedication type of thing. You have the relationship with your now wife. You're going through that. She becomes acclimated to how it is. You also pick up the wrestling in there, too. Um, How did you juggle both of those, you know, especially, like, as a Haunt Season was starting to pick up and Slaughterhouse became, like, you know, like, people knew that by name uh, for years here in Nashville. How did you manage all that? know if i really even managed it it was just kind of it became second nature it it became routine uh at the time it wasn't a burden because i had a shoot job that was you know corporate nine to five so yeah it didn't like didn't interfere with the regular job um wrestling i kind of when season would start i really wouldn't work when season was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because at that time, the mud shows were only running, you know, every other week of yeah. Eastern City. So, you know, I didn't have to, I maybe missed three shows. You know, do, do an injury, injury angle, be gone for the month, you know, kind of thing. Yep, yeah. So, it just, I don't know. Um, my wife just kind of got it. I mean, that was the big thing, is being blessed with somebody in my life that understood my love for the business that she didn't say, well, it's either me or that. Absolutely. That is a blessing, man. Oh man. So as, as things started progressing, uh, cause we're going to come back to wrestling a little bit here and there too, but especially at slaughterhouse, you know, like as things started progressing and as that haunt started becoming the establishment that it was, what was it like for you? Like, working you know continuing to work in different places throughout the haunt and building up the tenure there because as you mentioned at nashville nightmare and then as i've mentioned in previous episodes as well you know like people stated specifically that they remember seeing you over there and they would come to this attraction to see you here so what was it like you know like building that resume and building that rapport with customers as the haunt itself continued to grow and expand i uh you kind of get wrapped up with the whole rock star mentality of being a haunt actor, we call them booze now. But uh, I, I lived that life for the first 10 years working at Slaughterhouse. You know, it got in my head, you know, my character, you know, my character is Slaughterhouse. You know, my picture's on the banner, my picture's in the commercial, you know. I, you know, we did a, we did a team up with Saul one time and I was on the TV broadcast as the character, you know, it's all that stuff. You get wrapped up in that mindset of this character, you know, slaughterhouse will not survive without this character, you know, and you go through those, those ideas of you're bigger than the show. And, you know, and it finally clicked in my brain that, you know, I have more to give to the business than just being a clown, you know, for, several years, you know, 
I did most of the inside artwork at Slaughterhouse. A lot of people don't know that. You know, Trevor Bates, uh, when he took over, it's like he would build a whole area, like three rooms and say, okay, I need black light clowns in this area. Here's your airbrush and your compressor, go, go paint. And I would paint, you know, 38 foot walls with just stuff doing pulling references off the internet and just painting you know and starting to grasp the concept there's more to this than just being a character and giving back to the industry and that's that's where you know i i see it now and i'm like that's my frustration with it now is because i can't tell them they've got to learn it yeah you know kind of thing yep it's 100% that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's got to be that light bulb moment. And, like, just everything you've been saying so far has been a light bulb moment for me because, you know, obviously um, I know about what you do on the artistic side with where we're at now, but going back to all these walls and these designs and these characters that you painted, did you, like, how did you discover your artistic, uh, you know, I guess, endeavors? And how did you find out you had that artistic bug like where did that all come from i was a comic book kid nice I, I, I lived on comic books you know spire brown you know art pad and a comic book yeah i mean that's where i spent most of my life i didn't watch a lot of tv it was comic books and you know drawing you know trying to draw wolverine or trying to draw you know whoever that was that was my outlet you know, mom and dad were Tyson Holyfield growing up. Yeah. So I just, that was my escapism. You know, that was that. And you're spending so much time doing it repetitively. You get good at it. Yeah. You know, so, you, you know, I went to a small country school up till when mom and dad split up and we moved to Metro and I ended up at Hunter's Lane, you know, and Hunter's Lane had all these great opportunities for these great art classes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was able to nurture that aspect of it. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, the tornadoes blew up all the pollen. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. So oh. that was the thing for me is, you know, I had it in me. And just, you know, given the opportunity to, you know, hey, do you want to try this? Absolutely. You know, I think I could do that. You yeah. know, you get in there with an airbrush and, you know, 110 degrees in a warehouse, you know, talk about blowing some colorful snot balls. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> how, uh, how long was it after, after that you'd started doing the inside painting that you decided you was wanting to go do makeup? I did. The thing about makeup back then in Slaughterhouse, it was a lot of mask, but because I did I've done my own makeup since 96 mm-hmm. and it's always been pretty much repetition doing my same face. I know where all my nooks and crannies that I need to fill up a little bit more with makeup. Um, it's like, Hey, I know you're in this scene here. Let's, let's make you up a little bit, you know? So I kind of had, you know, the old traditional, you know, brush and palette and a little bit of blood, you know, cause we grew up, you know, we were poor, you know, in the makeup department back then, we had a little bruise wheel that was like this, <laughs> dabbing with pat, pat balls and, you know, 
So I had done that aspect of it. It wasn't until much later when I ended up working with Matt Scott. Because, you know. Future guest of the show, by the way. Future guest of the show. <laughs> great guy. Uh, my first interaction with Matt Scott was I grabbed that arm bar. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hold up, wait a minute. And we, we went through the whole Southern chain. He's like, hold up, wait a minute. And we connected on that level first. Once again, it always spins back down to wrestling. Um, so he's, you know, he kind of just picked my brain. He's like, man, do you want to try this? And I was like, sure. I said, because he knew about my background at Slaughterhouse, you know, painting there, you know, it's just reapplying it down to a smaller palette, mm-hmm. you know. So that was interesting. I, I've been doing it, Matt. Six years, man. With started with Matt and you know working with Emily now, you know, and that's something to me now that I enjoy more than being the clown outside. To me, the clown is a tool to be outside. You know, I was more of an answer person because during the COVID season, all that stuff. You know, you're having to bark orders and you're trying to do it with a mask. Go ahead, the megaphone. You know, that became a tool, but I was able to refocus into the makeup department and rehone some talent that, you know, that lay dormant for so long, you know, and I'm still learning stuff. It's like, we just got back from Transworld and hanging out with all the airbrush artists from Pro Air, huge plug. These guys are awesome. You know, they're just like, if you want to learn, they're, they're willing to pour into you. I mean, we were sitting having an adult beverage at the Marriott, and they were giving us pointers <laughs> because me and Emily are just like sponges. We're just like, yeah. hold up. Now, what about this? What about this? It just, you know, if you want to learn, people will teach you. That's that's what mm-hmm. I've learned over the years. 100%. Yep. Yep. And, and I always loved when I was sitting down in your chair, and you was like, we're trying something different tonight. <laughs> And I mean, I think. Well, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna give you. A, I was gonna give you a plug right here because I mean, if people have followed my social media, you know, especially like again, the game's still on right now. Take a shot every time we say this. Future guest seven on the show. If you followed my social media, you would see some of the paint designs on this guy's arms, and all that was stuff that ought. Well, the majority of it was stuff that Ott himself did, or you know, there were a couple other makeup artists that are insanely talented as well did. But, like, every time it was something different, and by the time he came out of it, it looked like just he he was sleeved up, even though it was all airbrush, freehand design. But it was that good, and it looked like this guy had just spent, like, hours getting tattooed. It was just that... I, I can't do it justice, but it was that good at what y'all did to him. When when somebody comes out of the uh, the makeup area and looks like their flesh has been torn off of their skin, and it looks like straight-up muscle, is, I mean, it's good work. Yeah, but I mean, in, in Seven's case, anything's an upgrade for that guy. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of work there. Well, my, my thing is, is coming from the old school mentality, working at Slaughterhouse the old days of just the eight-foot black walls and chain link fence and stuff like that, you know, I had that vision back then. It's like, this is, you know, National Nightmares where I saw the business growing, say, even 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going to be a full-blown production. It's not going to be just, you know, four, 
four foot kicked walls that people lead through. It's going to have full set designs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's where I saw it coming, you know, and trying to change the old school mentality of, well, it's all about the actors. I said, yeah, the actors are a great thing, but if it's the scenes that helps carry the actors that we kept losing as we got further along in the business. So, and I think it's a better transition now at Nightmare is the focusing back into the actors and investing in the actors and having more workshops and having more training of, you know, you can't write a book on how to be a scare actor. You just can't. You can't. Because it works different from everybody. You know, from, you know, Jeff to you to me, you know, we all have different abilities. Absolutely. My thing is, is when I got in character, it gave me an unbelievable ability to talk. You know, and going back to wrestling, you know, when I was trying to be a wrestler, I watched promos. I watched Lawler. I watched Dundee, Austin Idol. You know, as we got older, Foley, you know, how to cut promos and make it feel real and go into shows. Cause I, you know, I grew up with a single mom, mom and dad, like I said, they split up when I was young and I had lived in apartments in Gulletsville and one of my best friends, dad's worked out at the fairgrounds. So we would go to the sportatorium every Saturday night, you know, watching the Hills work a crowd you know, getting heat. Yes. You know, and trying to dissect that. I'm, you know, 17, 18 years old. You know, you're trying to figure that out. It's like, okay, this guy, you know, the greatest unknown wrestler of all time, Jonathan Boyd, one of the original sheep herders. Mm-hmm. When Jeff Jarrett first started in the business, that was. Jonathan Boyd's job was to get Jeff over. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. And his big culmination matches was a casket match with the snake in the box in the casket. Had a python. I think it was a 10-foot-long python. That that was the culmination of the ultimate feud. Well, you know, they did it in the rotation. They did Memphis. They did Evansville. Yeah, they did the whole circuit. They did it in Nashville. Well, Watching Jonathan Boyd work that crowd and work that box and work Jeff. And when it finally the big blow, he goes in the casket, comes out, he's got the snake attached to his arm and he's just selling it. And I'm going, that, that, I want to, I want to do that. And I can apply that now to the character is how to sell. Absolutely. Like I said, it always comes back to the wrestling business. And did you find that too? Like, especially like you said, later on you went and you got, uh, you know, properly retrained and everything. And you started working for, you know, like somebody that's come up on my other podcast, Mike Promo. Did you mm-hmm. find that after you had all those years of experience developing that character in the haunt and, you know, honing your skills, that that did help, you know, especially already having the familiarity with wrestling, that that helped you in the promotions you worked with him? Yeah, and that's the thing. I was an oddity though. You know, I wasn't, you know, strong style Superman. Yeah. I was, I was carny. That's always been my gimmick was the carny. I worked the kids, you know, it's like McDaniels, you know, 
it's like I went to a Fusion Pro show and I hadn't seen him since he was 10. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's killing it in, at TAP now. Yeah. And he's like, man, he said, I remember you, you know, the white makeup and the cross and, you know, the green teeth and eating the popcorn and eating the Snickers bar with green teeth and, you know, and it was all carny. And to me, it's, you know, that's why even now, like Dan housing is yes. so old because it's starting to step back into the carny until the, and, and not the spot monkeys. Yes. And which thank you as well. I have to say thank you because you actually helped put that character into perspective for me. And now I cannot get enough of that guy's material. So thank you for helping me love Dan Housen. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, let's let's talk about giving back for a little bit too because you know like like we just sang your praises with the makeup especially what was it like when you wanted to um you know like start taking on more responsibility in the makeup division and you wanted to start implementing these new ideas how receptive was everything to what you were trying to bring to the table with Matt it was easy because of our relationship you know, when I came back, I took a couple years hiatus, you know, just because I'm old. And I came back and Emily's in charge now to make a department. She's doing such an awesome job. Props. Yes, to she is. Absolutely. Um, um, I actually, when I came back, I said, you know, I don't know, Emily. I don't want to step on her toes. You know, you know, I worked with Matt, but I don't want it to be weird. So I, when I initially came back, I didn't even do makeup but I was losing my mind because I wasn't doing makeup right, because right. I wanted to be back there because once again, it's, I'm at that age now. It's about supporting the business more than it is supporting, you know, my ego. or Absolutely. My Absolutely. So, you know, I approached Jinx at the time said, look, you know, is there a way? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So we hooked up and I just kind of said, look, I'm here to help you. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do. You know, I kind of, I gave her my background, my history, and I mean, I wouldn't trade Emily for the world. Of course. She has been, me and her are thick as thieves, and she is, you know, they call me dad. Yep. Because, you yeah. Know, yep. You know, I've been doing this 26 years, so I'm 51 years old, and the makeup department calls me dad. But I, like I said, I don't have a relationship with everybody. And, I get the reputation of, you know, I'm the old head, you know, it's just an asshole, <laughs> but that's when I'm coming in, I'm coming into work. Yes. Because I leave the shoot job at four at the haunted house by four 30. I'm getting, trying to get people in chairs by four 45. Yeah, and that's like herding cats sometimes. Yeah. And my goal is, you know, we're going to get this run through efficiently. We've got to get everybody in character you know, so when I pop out and say next in line and you don't move, that's when it's. That's when know, the heel comes out. That's when the heel comes out. Heel, heel clown. The Absolutely. old man clown. And which, I like to call him. Man, that's so, it's so weird to think that like, I know obviously I'm coming up on my second year with, uh, with Nightmare now and my second year is a haunt actor period, but it's just hard to picture the makeup area back there and not having your little your little booth set up with all your stuff. Like it just, it doesn't seem right to 
not have you back there, even though this, like I said, I'm still fresh into it, but it just seems like that's a natural thing to be there, and it would be weird to walk in and that not be there. Yeah, I don't know how many more years I've got, to be honest, because as I get older, starts stuff starts locking up more often. Uh, but here's my thing. Um, I've got a 12-year-old daughter who loves this business. Yeah. Uh, last year, Emily invited her to come to the workshops we had in July. That's right. I, I slept an airbrush in her hand said, okay. I gave her some styrofoam heads and let us let her play. Well, she she's painted on those styrofoam heads for five straight hours, guys. I mean, just wow. She's like, I love this. This is awesome. This is the greatest thing. So I'm like, okay, she's 12, four years, she'll be 16. Maybe by then I can get her hired on. Then dad can retire. <laughs> but we'll see how long that goes. He's working the long but, game, folks. He's working the long yeah, game here. It's, it's the long con. So in saying that, though, let me ask this. What's mom's reaction when she sees that, you know, like your daughter's picking up on what dad's done for the majority of his life? What's her thought on all that? She understands. She knows that she's That's my awesome. daughter. You know, yeah. we are cut exactly from the same cloth. Oh, I, I mean, she's naturally talented. I mean, to be 12 years old and to be able to pick up. Of course. Do the work that, you know, it's like, would we do love bites or did it, was it Krampus? I think it was Krampus. And she came with me on a Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. <clears throat> Because and I think I Jeff's air- Jeff's kids were there too, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. Yep. And I slapped an airbrush in her hand. I said, "Go do blackouts and do hands." Yep. And That's she did right. Yeah. Hands. Yep. She did blackout and hands all night. Yep. And, and didn't complain once. No. And and nobody stood over her, and nobody mm-hmm. nobody had to say, "No, you're doing this wrong." It was perfect every time. She done exactly what she was supposed to do. To speak on that too, I like as as Emily will sing her praises again was painting my nipples for the second time. That'll come up on her episode when it happens. But, like, I, I just completely forgot that your daughter was even there because she just blended in with the rest of the team. It's yeah. like, yep. man, yeah. for for a 12-year-old, like, we can't stress that enough. That is that is talent. I, and, and that's the thing is, let's be honest, makeup people get a bad rap, you know, because we're on a schedule. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. don't realize... <clears throat> we're on a time crunch. We all have places to be. It's like Rachel works in the house. I work outside. Sandy works in retail. Emily's working production. You know, people don't realize that, oh, well, I'll get here at four o'clock, but I won't go back there till 530. You know. The hell it, you say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've implemented a lot more structure. And that's the best thing. I'm a structure guy. That's, yeah. I'm a, I'm a corporate shill. It's just the way it is. But, you know, Emily's starting to apply these new structures and it's given us, I mean, we're knocking out, you know, love bites with three and roughly three hours. Mm-hmm. We have 70 in makeup. Well, I wouldn't say I was 70, but. I think I remember well. the, the first night of love bites, myself and AC were the last two there. Because um, for whatever reason, like people were still adjusting to that structure, but our makeup was going to end up being so simple that you guys just had to get everybody else out and get them in the houses. But I mean, again, too, like y'all had to play the heel in certain parts, but you still made it work. 
you still got it through and you kept your heads about it, which that speaks volumes to you can't really be a heel if you can keep your if you can keep your calm and not just lose your ever loving shit when you're trying to wrangle that many people through in that short amount of time. Like that just speaks volumes to y'all's character and your level of, you know, like just patience and time management as well. It's skill to put it in one word, it's skill. Uh, and it's it's a professionalism. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's there's it. there's still a professionalism even as a as, as a haunt employee. Yes. So, my thing is, I've been in this business. Like I said, this will be my 26th season, give or take a couple years. But 26, I've never worked with a group of talented makeup artists that actually work as a team. There's yeah. no prima donnas. No one thinks they're better than other. You know, you've got this sheet of paper saying that you have a degree in this. I said, well, I have a bachelor's degree in Christian theology, if you'd be surprised by that. But everybody works together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If one person is stronger at something else, like, oh, it does high contrast. We need this scene. It's low light, this, this, that. Boom. Sandy's good with clowns. Boom. Yep. Mm -hmm. Emily's good with nipples. She's good with she's good with everything. We have (laughs) such great rapport and work togetherness. I mean, it's it blows me away. Yep. And that's why I want to keep doing it. You know, I've worked with prima donnas. You know, I've worked with people that you know, oh my stuff so much better. You know, but. It's not about you. It's about the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The end all be all. And getting people to understand, yeah, it's fun. It's this. But at the end of the day, you know, you're either on the grill frying hamburgers or you're dipping fries. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's always, you know, in the last 10 years, I figured that out that all in all, it ends up being a business. Absolutely. Now, I can't can't say you can't have friends in the business. Can't say that, you know, Flynn, you know, Jeff and I can't hang out and be friends and do things together and go make fun of him in Solana. Yeah, of course. Like <laughs> Watch the cops get I mean, I mean, come on. I was driving down the road, you know, about three or four months ago and you was washing your car at the car wash. And yeah. I pulled in just to say, hey, Ot, how are you? And then I was like, okay, got to go see you. And then he sprayed you with the hose as you pulled off. Well, I'm sure he thought about it. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to be too obvious about it. <laughs> but, and like I say, you know, and that's the thing is, I want the young heads to understand that I am a pro. My thing is, what I give back to the business is like you, Flynn, when you came in, you're like, I don't want to go outside. And just putting it in its simplest terms, if I don't talk and if I actually wait to say something, it's important for people to listen because, yep. mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't blow a lot of smoke. Exactly. It's just not that I'm too old for that crap anymore. You and, know, I've got, I've got enough friends. And I can't sing your, I can't sing your praises on that enough because my thought when I first came in was I didn't even know like going outside was an option. I thought it was something that you had to be like tenured there to do or, selected to do i didn't know about the auditions i thought I'd, you know like i didn't know if i'd step on somebody's toes which shouldn't have worried about anyway but had you not told me my whole season this year would have looked completely different so again thank you for you know for doing that i can't say that enough 
Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's awful about the show is because I knew your background. Of course. I, I knew what you're gifting in. You know, that's that was your gifting, the gift of gab, like I do. You know, and I felt like I would have got lost. Yeah. We stuck you in a scene somewhere where they saw you for three seconds and you, you know, try to pound the monologue at them. You know, that it wouldn't be. Wait, come it back. Would be, it would be a disservice to the industry and to you by not pushing you to take that opportunity and step outside and give Absolutely. that a chance. Absolutely. So, man, as, as you say all that, too, that kind of leads me to the last two questions that I can think of. Um, and I know Jeff's got, you know, at least one that he might have uh, roaming around the brain there. But number one, um, because I know when we got reconnected at The Haunt, you had always said that you were the Harley race of the haunt industry. But I have to ask now that, you know, like, because we've seen you do your paint, Seven and I have joked that we have to do a Road Warriors, you know, characters at the haunt with you as our Paul Ellering. But with you doing the paint, would you call yourself the Harley race of the haunt industry? Because you've got the chops like Oli, too. Or would you call yourself the animal of the haunt industry because you're doing that paint so well and so, so masterfully? I, I I still think Harley Race. Okay, that's my thought too. Because we think, you know, old school, you know, done it a long time, beat up, falling apart. Yep. You know, that to me is the epitome. It's like, you know, some nights I have to sit in my makeup chair for 30 minutes to, you know, loosen my hip up after, you know, standing on concrete for six straight hours. Yep. You know, and tough as nails, you know, hands, you know, look like gravel and sandpaper. And, you know, I, that's to me is the journey. That's you know, it. that's ultimately the journey is, you know, 26 years of doing this business, you know, has it been perfect? No. Is anything in life perfect? No. Nope. You know, but I still, you know, one more night, one more show, uh -huh. one more bump, you know, one more hot dog handshake, you know, I just, it's, you know, and Logan coming on board now and, you know, he pulled me to the side. He said, you're not going to be at the top of the hill anymore. I'm like, okay. He said, you need to get back to doing what you're good at. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so there there might be some bad yelp reviews next year but who knows the hill of the midway oh boy yeah. oh boy i can't wait i can't wait and i'm i'm excited about those changes to come too because i know i've had some changes and we'll we'll let all that come out and we'll let people figure that out as they come out and support this next haunt season but um, before we get to my last question, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and ask yours? Because one of mine is uh, one of our go-home questions here. Got any questions you want to ask? Um, No, I mean, I've still got my, my usual that I ask, you know. But, okay, well, you want to ask so. yours and I'll ask mine? Yeah, sure. Um, So I, you've listened to almost every episode, if not every episode of this, so thank you for that. Yes, thank but, you. But um, you know my go-to question is always asking um, what advice would you give to someone coming into the industry? And I'm sure people are tired of hearing me ask that question, but it's always something different from everybody. Get used to it. Cause it's staying on the show. 
see now it's so different now i mean it's 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 a generational difference yes Mm -hmm. uh compared it was you know five ten me 15 20 you know it's always different you know be realistic and understand it at the end of the day like i said it is a business all in all i mean yeah we go there to have fun make friends you know like the whitakers you know make life partners yep you know my thing is is <clears throat> don't be a boo you know come in learn have people invest in you listen you know take direction don't go into your scene and figure out by the next time in your scene you're going to completely change the gimmick they put you in like i'm going to put sliding knee pads on in a scene that's only three foot wide you know be ready for correction and direction you know and don't let the ego get in the way of that because you have so many people in this business at national nightmare you know jamie lee's been in this business longer than i have Mm -hmm. such a wealth of knowledge and you know, and Logan and Jinx and, you know, these people that, you know, your leads that know these scenes, you know, all the way down to the makeup artist, you know, we're a wealth of knowledge to help you be better at what you do and be better for the business. Because by the, the goal is to kill every scene. You know, and want them coming back for more and coming to each, you know, special event we have. You know, you know, don't be bigger than the show. Ask ask questions because we have the answers. Yeah. I mean, we built the scenes, we built the sets, we designed the costumes, we designed the makeup to go with those costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, just because the mask in your scene calls for a mask and not makeup doesn't mean that we don't know what we're doing. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Makes perfect sense. There's, there's a reason why things are done the way they are. Um, then that was, you know, one thing that, that I learned from you, especially this last year. Cause you know, this being my second year, I kind of come out of my shell a little bit with you and kind of started talking to you a little bit more and realizing that you was just, you know, trying to get people in the door and get them out and realize that you wasn't that, you know, I guess without you being, can a, say it. With, you was you wasn't really an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately I'm not one. No, well, you're not. Until you send me a message about something with dogs and <coughs> eggs every time. But you know, that's, that's usually an everyday thing and I'm used to it now. Well, the funny thing about that is, is when we listened to it was on the road to Transworld. Oh yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so, what Langley told me. So we left Nashville at like 3.30 in the morning. So we were all delirious by the time we started listening to this. And, you know, I'm sitting in the back seat crying with dogs don't lay eggs. That's (laughs) that's been my go-to. That's going to be my poke every time I see y'all. Shirt shirt coming soon and probably in the Dusty Sucks Eggs font for those that are wrestling fans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And then my question is, 
over your like extensive career, whether it was at Slaughterhouse, whether it was at Nashville Nightmare, have you had it could be either a scare or one fan interaction that sticks out to you more than any of them or one that you could even say was your favorite? I've got a couple. Oh, let's share them both. Um, as I was talking about my first alliteration of, you know, working at Slaughterhouse in 96, um, doing the werewolf scene, it was a blind corner leading into an area that looked like a shack with trees and bark and all that stuff. Well, I peeked my head up around the corner as a werewolf to howl at somebody, and the drunk lady stuck her thumb right in my eye socket oh no and when she pulled it out she went across my eye and scratched my retina so that was my oh. first nice pitfall of working in the haunted house industry oh. uh, i scared her so bad she about plucked my eyeball out of my head oh, i plucked her a little <clears throat> bit oh, that was um, painful but you have years where you know you're as the clown, you're working in the room, you know, they walk in, you know, pee, puke, lay down on the floor in a fetal position, pass out. Uh, I was standing back in the dark maze one time at the dead end that leads out and I heard cowboy boots running at me and I knew to tuck my chin. For some reason, that one wall didn't have the center beam in it. Oh, it just had, and it didn't have a half, it had a quarter inch plywood. It didn't even have a half inch. So he blew me through this wall. This big dumb redneck just plowed the clown through the wall. <clears throat> uh, I've been pinned in a corner one year as the clown by six cougars and, I, and almost undressed the clown in the middle of the eight door maze. Um, you know, the stories I could tell of working in the haunted house, uh, back years ago when Slaughterhouse was downtown, we were 6th Avenue Peabody Street, which is Yahoo's brewery now, which I could imagine them going in there and tearing that place out and seeing all the airbrushed skulls and skeletons and crap (laughs) and having to figure out what all this was. This was the satanic church. (laughs) <laughs> well, right next door was Rocket Town. And I had a best friend that was the manager of Rocket Town that I grew up with and went to high school with. So some of the bands would be on stage, and I'd just walk up the back half, up to the back of the stage in character, oh, <laughs> and walk out on the stage. I was that bold <laughs> back in those days. I just, you know, what are they going to do? Kick me out? I mean, really. That is but, awesome. But you've seen, I've seen it all. I mean, yeah. there, nothing, nothing surprises me in the business anymore. Yeah. Uh, I joke about everybody's like, well, I've seen a peer. I said, well, I said, I've seen somebody poop and leave their underwear in a scene. <clears throat> I just take those off. House. We don't need those no more. Well, I think all yep. your, uh, all your bodily fluid challenges this, uh, so far in this podcast have been top Jeff. I think he's topped but, them all and took pictures well, too. Yeah, I've got the years. That's the problem. You know, I've got <laughs> all the years, so it's been spread off quite a few. There may still be hope yet, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, oh God, I can't even imagine experiencing some of those. But that is, oh, that is amazing. But now comes the fun part, and 
Jeff's about to start learning all about this, too. We're about to call it in the ring here for a little bit. And our dear good friend Ott here is going to have the chance to ask each of us two questions. All of these are completely random, completely on the fly. We don't know what they're going to be ahead of time. We don't even know if they're going to be haunt-related. And we don't even know who's going to go first. We're just going to leave that all up to Ott. He's the veteran. He's calling the match. So, Ott, whenever you're ready, whoever you want to go first is at your mercy. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, no. Flynn, all right. if, there was, if there was a character inside any of the haunts you could pull, which one would it be? Um... I would think it would probably be in Forsaken in the Insane Asylum portion. Um, I would probably want to be someone that was possessed and going through the schizophrenic motions of changing characters and voices and just using my uh, my voice actor and improv repertoire to have some fun and hopefully not blow my voice out by the end of the night. Because I think that was actually, that was originally where I was going to be too before... Uh, before I knew Q-Line was a thing to go for, so that uh, got to have some fun. Some people seemed to like what I was doing, but you know, if I could have a full character with that, I would absolutely love to. Hmm. Interesting. Let me think. Jeff, I gotta think of a good one for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta think of a good one for you. Jeff, have you ever thought about being a clown? I have. And I've always wanted to do it just one season to see if I enjoyed it and it stuck. So, yeah. Yeah, I have. Don't do it. <laughs> well, and see, that's the thing. It's joking about that. It's Everybody thinks it's the most glamorous thing. Q-Line is so glamorous. Being a you know clown is so glamorous. You know, I've done it so long. It's so second nature. Yeah. I, it's refreshing when we have rainy days. You know what I mean? You're working outside in queue. Hey, guess what? It's raining. We're short actors. They're going to put you in the house tonight. And I'm like, okay, great. Because it gives me opportunity to unplug and refresh. Yeah. And it's like, what's funny is I listen to Whitaker's on the way home. It's a great podcast, by the way. Thank you. They did, did an awesome job. Uh, she brought Seamus. Seamus and, uh, God, what's the other guy? Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre. They came on a rainy Thursday. And I was working, Jeff, I was working here. Uh, I was working the first Mad Doctor scene with all the zombies in the tubes. Okay. And I found a blind corner professional. To find a blind corner for nothing. <laughs> because I'm too big to be seen, so I have to find something I can hide behind. Well, come around the blind corner. They put the little girl in the front. I don't know why they put the little girl in the front, but uh, McIntyre and this little girl, she's like four foot something. And I popped around the corner. And I didn't even get my spill out, and she was down on the grate. Mm. And you know, McIntyre's falling back into Seamus. They're all just cackling. They're just all losing their mind. And, you know, it's it's stuff like that. It's just, it re-energizes you to, you know. And it's like, 
you know, key line actors get a bad rap that they don't work inside. I love going back inside every now and then. Yeah. It gives me, like I said, it gives me an opportunity to unplug from the character, do something different, and, you know, just recharge. Yeah. Middle of the season. You know, there's some people that can't do it because that's all they know to do. But I think it's a good exercise in improvisation. Absolutely. Sorry, I could talk another hour. I'm sorry. It's just the way <laughs> no, I'm no, like we, I'm, I'm loving every yeah. single minute of all this. So am I. And, you know, that's that's another thing, especially with you as a Q, quote unquote Q-line actor the past two years. Um, my first two seasons at nightmare, but that was one thing that I could say is you probably had one of the most stressful Q line jobs that there was just standing there at the front going, you go to this lane, you go to this lane, you go to this lane while still getting to, you know, throw your insults in there occasionally. Yeah. So, and I, and speaking from experience too, because I know, uh, Jinx actually put me in that position one night when you weren't able to be there. Of course, I didn't get the megaphone. I begged and pleaded and went out kicking and screaming for it. But they said, no, just go. You know, you got the you got the tentacles. You're good. I don't know how you did that because just the amount of people, nobody listens. Nobody shows up on time. People are driving cars through the throngs of people. I don't know how you manage that so well, but my God, hats off, sir. It's, it, trust me, it's, it's, it's. It's an interesting thing at the top of the hill. You know, you gotta be you've gotta be wired because like I said, I'm seeing everybody before they walk in the door. Yep. You know, I'm not and we're not talking like, you know, you have lines that spread around the building and you're trying to get them in three different lines and different cues, you know, and the character that I played was perfect for that because I can call you stupid because you're in the wrong line because you're not listening or you're trying to walk right all the way up to the front because you think you're a VIP and all that nonsense. You know, it was just, it, it got away from me being about the scare and my gimmick. And it became about what I could give back to the business to help, you know, help national nightmare. You know, when COVID hit two years ago, you know, we had rules, you know, you got a big placard of rules, but you know, people yep. are stupid. They're not going to read nothing. Nope. Like what? So it was like, Hey, you know what? If we had, if I had a megaphone, I could stand out here and say, Hey, look, make sure you have your, you know, your mask up over your nose. Be sure to social distance six feet apart, blah, blah, blah. You know? And that's where I ended up on the hill because helping the business became more about, less about my gimmick and more about helping the business. So I went on the top of the hill with a megaphone with a mask on. Hey guys, make sure you have your mask. If you don't have one, you know, you're going to get your temperature taken, you know, all of the stuff they needed to know before they got down there and be like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. It became more about, you know, covering nightmare and helping in that regard. It's like, always be somebody willing to help. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's how you better yourself in this business, you know. You know, taking the pen sometimes when you need to take the pen. You can't always be, you know. You can't always carry the belt. You know, you've always sometimes you got to take the pen. Is 
and trust me, it's, I've got my years of being super boo. You know, now it's more about how can I give back to the business? Exactly. You know, that's why I'm giving, that's why I spend so much time, you know, I work with my airbrushes at home. You know, I'm looking up, you know, references for the next big event we're having. You know, I'm already planning ahead, you know, and that's the thing is if, if you don't learn anything from me tonight, learn that, you know, learn that if you focus more on giving to the business, the business will give back to you, you know, it gave you opportunities to grow, to work in management, to be a Q-line actor, to work in makeup, you know, if you show yourself an asset, they'll make you an asset. Make sense? Yeah. Yes. 100% does. Man, wise words, guys. Wise words. And it probably would do you a service to go back and re-listen to that part again and maybe about 10 more times after that, too. So just enjoy those free little knowledge nuggets right there and apply them to your everyday life because that's something that's not even just haunt-related, but just in everyday life apply yourself and make yourself an asset whether it's at work and you want a promotion whether it's acting scare acting wrestling even whatever it is it's something that you can apply in every facet of your everyday life so we just gave you something for free right there but Ott's not done just yet because he's got one more question to give each of us and that will be the main event so let's see where it goes from here late it's past my bedtime so i gotta think because <laughs> usually being the old guy i'm in bed by 8 30 sorry you younglings As <laughs> old got, got the corporate job so <clears throat> and as you're thinking i'm getting play by play on the outside my dog just destroyed my neck pillow all over the comforter of my bed <laughs> is that the new one yeah the new one he's still in his little wild phase but god help him if you had actually, this is, I'm going to combine your last question. Okay. And it's actually a challenge too. Oh. If you could and would find somebody in a haunt to mentor, who would that person be? You don't have to tell me. You can tell me later. There's always going to be one person that's in around your circle that's not really in your circle that you can mentor. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to narrow it down right now because there's so many many people. And, again, selfishly, I'm going to say everybody, but, again, at the same time, too, um, and it'll probably come up on his episode, but just because... We we kind of go back and forth with this in our everyday life. I'm going to say seven, just because, again, like, not giving too far of a look behind the curtain, but he needed this confidence boost because, obviously, COVID and the pandemic was hard on people. So getting him into the haunt was one thing, but then helping him come out of his shell and just be the as close to the rock as you can get without actually being the rock and you know, all that, like just being that over the top personality that he is 
when it's just me and him cutting up with each other and helping him find ways to bring that out. I would say if I could just get that to him and help him just be okay with the character development that he's done and not feel like he's always got to go on to the next thing, if I could help him with that, that's my easy go-to. But man, like I would anybody that I could help there, I'm I'm 100% game for, but he's top of the list right now. And we went dead air. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, was that for Jeff? Uh, was that for Jeff as well? Yeah. Okay, that's what I oh, thought, but okay. I didn't want to. I don't want to okay. step anybody's toes. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't he, sure he that. He was too busy thinking about. You know what's what's the saying, Jeff? Dogs what? don't laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. So, um, yeah, my answer to that question is that that's a tough one like that one makes you think because there's so many so many people there that you know i see so much potential in that i want to share everything with them with all of them it only takes one it's like spider-man everybody gets one it's true I mean, I could think of, you know, some previous guests on this show even that would that would benefit. You know, I mean, but again, it, it's just going through that Rolodex because, like, the family is so big and so it extensive is. that it's it's hard to say. I, th- I think, uh, actually, no, I don't think. I know for a fact that one that I would love to sit down and... and have this conversation and mentor with was the one that was so thankful for the answer. Whenever he asked me the question was, uh, was how I felt about his haunting style from this last year. And that was Jake Sheffield. That's who I was thinking. Yes. Because he's coachable. He's teachable. He wants that knowledge. He wants to learn. And if you give him negative feedback that is productive, he takes it and he doesn't get hurt from it. He, he understands that negative comes with positive and, you know, that in order to get better, we do get the negative feedback. That's what I really like about him. So, yeah, I think it would be Jake for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to, for us to have church, but, you know, it's part of me too. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's a whole nother episode in itself. But, man, that was a very, I think that's the deepest question we've had so far. and It is. Again, that's why I love being put on the spot like this, too, because you know it's full authenticity, and you know that you're going to get a genuine answer from it. So, Ott, thank you for being the veteran, taking us under the, you know, taking us under the wing, and guiding us through that match, man. That was, that was some good stuff. Well, that's, that's one thing that I've always learned from you, uh, especially this year, Ott, was that if you get away from thinking like a scare actor and start thinking, you know, business related and, and what you can do to better the business itself, then, you know, you come out ahead at the end of the day. Um, and that was, that, that there was one night that I had to leave the haunt early. And one thing that I learned from you the most this year was that just because it's a friend walking up to you, you're you're in character you're staying that character yep um i I had to leave the haunt early and i had he he heckled me on my way out the gate he yelled at me over the megaphones like hey where the hell are you going yeah you know (laughs) and yeah it was just great and i learned that from him and that's kind of you know 
with without feeling like Ott has turned into my mentor. You know, I've learned a lot from him over the past year. Yep. So that's he's just made me start thinking like him. So absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, guys, again, like there's so much that you can take from this episode, especially if you're wanting to be a haunter or you're just looking for ways to just apply things differently in your everyday life. Like, I feel like we just gave you, I don't know if Ted talk is the right thing, but we just gave you a lot of life lessons that you can apply from, you know, a very, very wise man. So take them and do with them what you will. And hopefully it benefits you the way that we think it will. I'm surprised he didn't look up and say, you take that back right now, Flynn Hendricks. (laughs) And the the thing about being wise, it's not just because I'm old. It's because I was dumb. I had to learn. Absolutely. The hard way. I had to get get a mentor. I had to get people to pour into me and teach me the right way from the wrong way. You know, if you want that information from me, I I don't pursue anymore. It's just not who I am. You know, if, if you want it, just ask. I'll give it to you. You know, my goal is to shorten your learning curve mm-hmm. for anybody mm-hmm. in life and in the haunt business and whatever, you know, that's my ultimate goal is, you know, from my past mistakes, you learn and it shortens your learning curve. Yep. The yeah. sooner, the sooner the, the youngsters, as I would call them, the new ones that's, that's never done this kind of thing, the sooner that they can get, you know, another year in the books and get more educated with how everything works, the better off the collective will be. 100%. It's all for the bigger picture. Yeah. All about the show. That's it. Yeah, it really is. That it's, is it. Again, I, turning back I into proved, wrestling. I proved two years ago when I retired, the show went on without me. It managed without me. Yep. It didn't shut down doors and... You know, fold up tent because I wasn't there because the mad clown wasn't there. Now the show, the show will go on. Somebody will fill my spot. You know, you just got to understand that, you know, that's why I don't have, you know, on my Facebook profile that I work in a haunted house. You know, that's not my shoot job. You know, that's, that's the thing is, you know, I can be replaced with a trained monkey if they wanted me to. I mean, it's just, just the way it is. That is very true. All right, I'm going to shut up talking. I'm going to talk. We can talk another hour. (laughs) Well, guys, like Odd said, it's getting past his bedtime, but I I hope we can say that we'll have this man on for a second episode, especially after haunt season 2022 dies down because schedules will be crazy, but I know I want this guy back on. So I'm going to go ahead and future book and say we will have him back on because this has been like, not only hopefully a fun conversation for everyone to listen to, but a knowledgeable and eye-opening interview for us as well because there's so much here that we don't get to talk about when we're sitting in the in the actor's lounge or when we're getting makeup, and we just we sat under the learning tree here tonight as well. So, uh, thank you for your time and for being so generous and just, you know, chewing the fat and keeping it spooky with us. Oh, I appreciate it. It was, it was it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I could... You know, get me in a sitting like this, I can talk for hours. Of course, of course. And we'll do it again, too. And, man, I I can't wait for that day to come. But, guys, for now, we're going to go ahead and take it home right there. The haunt's closing down for the day. It's time to go out. If you've got a local haunt in your area that's doing something and you want to support, go out and buy a ticket. Go through the event. 
If you want to get involved, ask how you can do that. What do you have to lose? Just take the chance. Give it a chance. Give it a try. Get the experience under your belt. And if it's for you, great. If it's not, hey, you tried. But in the meantime as well, go find these podcasts. We're on all podcasting platforms. We need that five-star and that written review if you think we've earned it. Go follow us on all social media platforms. We've got merchandise available. we got links in the show notes on that. And just keep a lookout for everything we got going on, and we want to see what you guys got going on too, so get connected with us. But, uh, Jeff, before we wrap it up here, is there something that these folks need to do before our next episode drops? There is absolutely something they need to do. And what would that be? They need to remember that dogs don't lay eggs, ducks do lay eggs, and to stay spooky. And you knocked my earphones off, and I know you hear me. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll tune in next time for another spooktacular episode. <laughs> Tales from the Haunt has been a Flynn Hendricks production. 